Good morning, friends. Welcome. Whether you are in the building or whether you're online today, we say good morning. Hello from Crossroads Church and Ministries and from all the great people here and, and far away. Uh, how grateful we are that you're with us on this third Sunday in Lent. And we celebrate together uh, the goodness of all that, that God has for us together as a community. Uh, if you are online, uh, and whether you're watching live or later on this week, uh, we'll be receiving communion together in a bit. Make sure that you get yourself uh, some bread or some crackers, whatever you have at home, and some juice. And we'll celebrate the communion meal together as a community. Uh, also, friends at home, make sure that you check out on either on Facebook or on the website the stuff that's coming up this week. Uh, you'll see uh, PowerPoints on there that have uh, the meetings that are happening, stuff that's both online and uh, here uh, in person. So make sure to check that out. Everybody online, we say welcome. And Good morning, friends. Would morning. you read this? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Let's read this call to worship from the Psalms together. A white-tailed deer drinks from the creek. I want to drink God. Deep droughts of God. I'm thirsty for God alive. I wonder, will I ever make it? Arrive and drink in God's presence. I'm on a diet of tears. Tears for breakfast, tears for supper. All day long, people knock at my door, pestering. Where is this God of yours? These are the things I go over and over, emptying out the pockets of my life. I was always at the head of the worshiping crowd, right out in front, leading them all, eager to arrive and worship, shouting praises, singing thanksgiving, celebrating all of us, God's feast. Amen. so grateful to be worshiping with you today. Today we're talking about thirsting for God. That's the theme of today. And as we were talking about this worship service, hungering, thirsting, how sweet it is to have a Savior who is not just fulfilling and satisfying and providing those things, but that it's sweet. Yeah, you can be seated. <laughs> um, and so we have a treat for our kids. Um, if the kids in the room would raise their hand, Jill and Kathleen are going to bring around some honey sticks as an experience of what that sweetness of God tastes like, like we just sang about. And I have a quick story to kind of illustrate what we're talking about. Um, when I was about 24, um, I entered this period of my life where all of my prayers were being answered. And it was very confusing to me because I had never had a period in my life where like everything I prayed for was coming to me. And it was overwhelming and I felt really bad about it, to be honest, because not everyone in my life was getting everything they wanted. And so I was kind of trying to like hide how good my life was um, to be more relatable, whatever. So I went on a retreat um, to this beautiful place where I was silent with God all day. And I walked by a raspberry gar garden and I just felt like this prompt or this nudge in me to go pick some raspberries. And God <laughs> was talking to me as I picked these raspberries. Um, I had never had fresh raspberries before, like right off the vine. And they are so sweet, like those honey sticks that those kids are tasting, right? They're so sweet. And there were all of these perfect raspberries that were, had just fallen on the ground. Um, I had only picked apples at apple orchards, and the ones on the ground are there for a reason. Like nobody's like digging for the ones that have been left on the ground. But these were perfect raspberries that were so good. And I wanted to bundle them all up and share them. And God was just sharing with me, like, there is so much fruit in your life right now. And it's not just for you. And when you try to pretend it's not there, other people don't get fed, right? And last week we were talking about how it takes a community, right? Like, we bring people into the presence of God. And sometimes there are times in our life where we're hungry and we're thirsty. And there is no shame in that. We need to name that those yeah. things exist. Um, but by naming that those things exist, there might be somebody who can answer that need because they're in a season where God has given them more than enough. And so today we just want to talk about how hunger and thirst and provision, it's all a part of the process of being with Jesus. And no matter where you are today, there's power in naming that. 
And so as we um, prepare to do our prayers of the people, you have post-its with you, hopefully. Um, and I just want to invite you to think about it in one of these two ways. I'm celebrating this. Like God has provided for me in this way, and I am celebrating this amazing thing that God has done. Or I'm thirsting for this. God, I am thirsting for my friend to know Jesus. I am thirsting for this baby to be born. I am thirsting for whatever it is. And you might have both, right? You can write both down on your note. And if you already wrote your post-it note, then it's already perfect. Do not feel the need to change your post-it note to follow this prompt. But we just want to invite you as we enter into worship today, where are the places where you're celebrating provision and that maybe you have raspberries to share? And part of acting justly is sharing the ways that God has already provided for you. And where are you still thirsting? And you need to say it and you need someone to come alongside of you and help you reach that thirst because God sends people to meet us in our places of need. So I want to give you a moment to pray and think and start bringing your post-its to the front. Um, you can put them on this gold platform right here. So if we can just have a little background music moment. Um, start bringing them up whenever you're ready. And my friends Griff and Jacqueline are going to be reading our prayers today. They are InterVarsity staff and people of prayer that I trust deeply. So we are excited to pray your prayers with you today. things here before you now, like Hannah said, the good, um, the bad, the things we're celebrating, the things that we are thirsting for. Um, Lord, we are thirsting uh, for time. God, we praise you for the healing of a shoulder. Jesus, we want to thank you. Um, for curing this grandpa's cancer um, and then for a healing of depression that you have done um, in this person's life. We thank you, Lord. God, we pray for Barb, who is going for a stem cell transplant. We are trusting the Lord to meet her right in that place where she has not gone before. We pray for her while she is in isolation for many weeks, and we hold her before you, God. Holy Spirit, we pray for this lost friend, that you would fill his heart with love and joy. Come, Holy Spirit, be upon this friend. Yes. Yes, Lord Jesus. God, we pray for healing for her husband, who is in pain, and for him mentally. Yes, Jesus. Jesus, we lift up our, our friend Nancy, who's going through cancer. Would your healing yes. touch be upon her, Lord? Yes, Lord Jesus. God, we pray for her mom's health and also for her marriage and her young boys and her dad's upcoming surgery. We hold them all before you, Lord. Lord, we pray for doors of opportunity in 2023. Um, 
Yeah. Thank you, Jesus, for all of the prayers of healing that are being held before you today. Holy Spirit, we um, yeah, pray for um, this person's mom, uncle, grandpa, grandma, dad. Lord, we just lift them up to you. We know that you're holding them in your hands, Lord. God, we pray for these families to be saved and to find a church. Lord, we lift up this thirst for family love. Sending out God's just flow of love for all of our tribe, Lord, who to come, Lord Jesus. God, this person am, and I also am so thankful for our beautiful lives. to lift up Kathy and her family and her cancer journey. Let your healing touch be upon her, Jesus. God, we pray for her friends, family, and school. I pray that all and more for them to find overall happiness this week. Lord, we lift up the healing um, of this friend's relationship with his mom. May their love for each other overpower their differences. Lord, we just pray forgiveness and peace over that relationship right now. God, we pray for this person's niece to be born healthy and for the mom to be healthy as well. Pray, uh, we pray that our children would know and love and follow you well, Lord. God, we hold before you this person who has Alzheimer's. and the blessings through, their, through your kingdom that you've provided. God, thank you for bringing this person through one of the most emotionally challenging weeks they've ever had. Thank you for the way that you've walked with them. Jesus, let our hearts reflect yours. Would you bless our children? Thank you for their lives and their help, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. God, we pray for this person who is thirsting for more of you and that they are thirsting for more knowledge in your word. Would you meet them? Jesus, we thank you um, for all of the answered prayers in our lives, from the small ones to the big ones, Lord. Um, thank you for the ways you've been gracious to us and have shown up for us, have answered these prayers and been present to us, Jesus. God, thank you for the goodness that is still on earth. Thank you that your love endures forever. those of us that are still struggling with addiction. Holy Spirit, um, only you can break this cycle. Um, only you can bring life in these situations. Would you come and break those cycles of addictions? Pray too for our young boys, um, this person's mother, and the sickness that they are experiencing. Would your healing touch be upon them, Jesus? And we pray that this person's mom would feel better of her arthritis. We pray for your healing touch.
Father, we lift up this thirst for peace um, as we wait and follow for God's plan, knowing and needing to understand. Lord, I'm just sensing. Um, yeah, Lord, we just embrace uh, the uncertainty that you give us, uh, knowing that you are near and that you are close. God, we pray for peace in the family and that they may grow closer to God. And Lord, we lift up James that he would know you more. Would you draw him close to you? Holy Spirit, would you just make it so obvious? in his life, that you're near him, that you are um, wanting to be with him. So come, come Holy Spirit, in, in James as well. Yes. Yes. God, we hold before you all of the things that we are thirsting for and all that we are celebrating. And thank you for this community and that we can hold these things together. thank the Lord for for waking us up to the needs of our neighbors nothing that God does everything that God does is for our good and so when he makes us the creatures that we are to have need he says it's blessed to hunger it's blessed to thirst blessed are you and even when even when there are things that are happening in our lives that, are, that don't seem blessed, Jesus says you're blessed when others say things that are false about you. You're blessed when they persecute you. And the, the acknowledgement of each other that our needs exist and that they matter before God. That's a blessing to be there for each other. I love what Hannah shared a moment ago. If God is blessing you right now, it's because he loves your neighbor. God doesn't want to be God without us. doesn't want to show up in the life of your neighbor without you there. He wants when he shows up for your neighbor that you're standing there being his presence, being his mercy, so that where you go, where you walk, the mercy of God follows you. The provision of God follows you. And so let's just thank the Lord for waking us up this morning to the needs of our neighbors. Thank you, God, for helping us to be like you this morning, for waking our spirits and our souls to each other's needs. We praise you, Jesus. You are the blessed one and the blessing one. You bless our lives now with this cup this bread. So take a moment to prepare the elements. Open the crinkly wrappers. And let's pray together. There'll be words in bold and I just invite you to pray along with us as we partake of communion. And so we prepare the elements of communion, the bread and the wine, to offer them up to the Lord, just as in John 6. When the disciples had their fill, he said to them, gather up the fragments so that nothing is lost. Let's say it together. Worthy is the Lamb, slain from the foundations. Nothing will be lost. No good thing will be withheld. We gather our ordinary lives our bread and juice, our fragments, our fractured lives, our distorted loves, our broken trusts, our wounded stories, our divided wills and attentions. And we offer them up to you now, O oh Lord. Let's say, gather, gather together, together, church. church. Offer them up and behold the one who was sent to do the works of God. And now in their place, Jesus, we find that these gifts that we offer are in turn given back to us as nothing less than the body and blood of the Son. Worthy is the Lamb, slain from the foundations. Nothing will be lost. No good thing will be withheld. 
this is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And we say, worthy is the Lamb. Slain from the foundations, nothing will be lost. No good thing will be withheld. Jesus, you are our hunger. Jesus, you are our bread. Jesus, you are our thirst. You are our drink. Let us eat of this bread, which is his flesh, given for the life of the world, and live forever. And he said, for my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him and her. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he and she who feeds on me will live because of me. We say, worthy is the Lamb, slain from the foundations. Nothing will be lost. No good thing will be withheld. So, Lord, we receive now and remember not just that you were, but that you are and you are to come. We remember as those who are being awakened to your presence right here and right now. Let's eat and drink. And with the angels, we say together, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they have their being. Well, thank you, Jesus, that you keep us fed, and you are our daily bread, so that we can become bread for our neighbor. And so I just want to share with you, um, uh, as we continue in our worship, a few opportunities for you to receive from God and then to be able to uh, be a blessing to our neighbors. And uh, tomorrow is our food pantry day. And uh, yeah, so that's one of, our, one of our days that we can be the hands and feet of Jesus and love and serve our neighbors. And um, you know, some of you know, some of you don't know that back in our early years, Sean and I, when we were teenage parents and in college and on food stamps, we went to our local food pantry to receive our food at the end of the month because our food stamps ran out for our little family of three. And it was um, one of the ways that I learned the love of God is because people loved and served us in that way without judgment, with love, and um, provided for us when that was God's way of providing for us. So if that's a desire of yours is to love your neighbor where you can provide food and encouragement and love. We just welcome you to come tomorrow to the food pantry. And it's a, it's a great way to uh, volunteer your time to just love and serve God's people. So show up tomorrow if you can help out. But if you can't come tomorrow, um, and even if you can, we need help after service. So it takes about 15 minute, minutes if we all pitch in and um, help clean up um, this room and turn it into our grocery store. Uh, we would love to have you stay for an extra 10 or 15 minutes to do that. And then also another way to take the next step in your faith in worship is um, baptism. And so, of course, you know we're in the season of Lent, and we just, we just want to honor the sacrament of baptism on Easter Sunday. And so if that is something that you've never been able to participate in as a Christ follower, we would love for you to do that on Easter Sunday, and we would love to surround you as a Crossroads family community, surround you and love you and pray with you. And if you aren't really sure what baptism is, come on over to the next steps. We'd love to have a conversation with you about that. And of course, if you're new today, uh, we welcome you. We're so glad that you're here with us. Um, if you'd like to find out some of the next steps we have here at Crossroads, you can just uh, take a picture of that QR code with your cell phone um, or come on over to the Next Steps kiosk if you're in the room. If you're not in the room, you can go to our website, ccmonline.org, and there's a tab that says I'm new. 
and that will take you right to um, some more information about Crossroads if that's something you desire. Thank you. Thanks, Kathleen. Well, I love uh, just already what God has done in our hearts. I'm reminded of, um, as Samuel uh, brought back to attention and brought attention to what Hannah said and then brought more clarity to it about, and then Kathleen, about being blessed and the responsibility of, uh, or just the goodness of that being our opportunity to be a blessing to our neighbor. I, I've been meditating this week, this isn't what I'm going to talk about, but just real quick, because I've been meditating some on the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. In one gospel, in Luke, it appears it's 5,000. There's another gospel, uh, I think it's Mark, I could be wrong about that, but it says 4,000. Um, I don't think they were taking tickets or anything. So anyway, that doesn't really, that's not what I wanted to talk about, but uh, it's really interesting to me um, that there really isn't any mention that the crowd actually realizes that a miracle's happened. The miracle really happens for the disciples. And Jesus has them in Luke kind of break everybody up in groups, and then he gives them the bread. They're the ones that know. In Luke, it's five loaves of bread, two fish. Um, they're the ones that know this multiplication is taking place. We kind of insert, and maybe, maybe I'm not saying that the crowd didn't know, but it doesn't say that the crowd knew. So it's the disciples that experience this miracle, and Jesus tells them, you feed them. It's their responsibility to take the miracle that they're receiving and to feed the 5,000. It's beautiful. I just love what we've already uh, heard this morning. I want to talk to you for a couple minutes about thirsting. Uh, we're all thirsty people at times. It's a gift that God gives us. He's created us to thirst. We thirst for different things. Um, in John chapter 4, starting with verse 7, it says, When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? And his disciples had gone into the town to buy food. Um, in the uh, Scott Lorge version, that his disciples had gone into town to buy food is his disciples had gone to family fair. So that's the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, and this is really what I want to focus on, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, speaking of the water in the well. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Um, and the scripture kind of goes on. I encourage you to read the whole portion of this scripture, but for time's sake, we're going to land right there and then just move on to a couple of verses near the end here. John uh, 7, 37. Um, on a couple chapters later, Jesus says this, on the, uh, on the last and greatest day of the festival, the festival that's being referred to here is the festival of the tabernacle, or uh, it's also referred to as the festival of the booths. And Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. So um, the reason that I just mentioned the thing about the uh, festival of the tabernacle or the booth, so there's basically mainly seven, uh, seven festivals. I won't get into this because of time either, but just kind of an interesting point is, so uh, the festival, the tabernacle, as kind of with every festival, is a celebration of God's deliverance. Uh, and there's a lot that's involved in it, but um, one of the things that they would do 
um, and they were instructed to do is they would, uh, and the reason why it's called the Festival of the Booths is they would make temporary housing, almost like a house. So it was Sunday till Sunday. It was eight days. It would start on a Sunday, would go to another Sunday. But for eight days, they'd stay in this, what, booth, in this temporary housing, um, and then they would celebrate the festival, right? And kind of one of the things was you're waiting, and this scripture is used a lot for those that do a lot of teaching on the second coming, perhaps. Um, this is that Jesus will uh, is coming again. You can count on that. But I love the temporariness of the booth. I think it communicates something, and I'll get into that in a minute. But, you know, when, when did we become so thirsty? Like, I, you know... Have you ever thought about that? Like, when did we get so thirsty? Like, this whole problem we have with plastic bottles? You know, when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, uh, that was not a problem. Like, I mean, it it was a problem, but it wasn't a problem because we weren't drinking out of plastic bottles like that. Like, that was was rare. Like, when when did we all get so thirsty where we have to carry around temporary... Like, we carry around our own provision of water. Where we, You guys, you're all trying to hide it. It's on your table right now. You're, like, hiding your, you're hiding your temporary provision of water. I've got mine here. Avion, yes, of course. We've got our portable water supply, all these bottles everywhere. Avion, I bought this intentionally. Uh, just to, have you ever bought one? You have to remortgage your house, 259 for this bottle of water, 259, but this was fresh from the French Alps. I'm sure they brought it into the gas station this morning. And Claire brought to my intention, and I don't know if it was Claire or George Carlin that said it first, uh, try spelling this backwards. And uh, yeah, it'll take you a minute, spell it backwards and you'll find out what people, the people that figured out to sell you that bottle of water that I bought for 259. If you're having a hard time, it's naive, if that's, I'm just going to help you with that. Or you can go to Starbucks. Theirs is averaging 230 ethos water, right? And I love it. You get a nickel, five cents, so you can feel good about yourself. Out of your $2.30 goes to humanitarian aid. Five cents. Man, that's like busting the doors down. Some of you purchased that because you gave five cents. You probably should have just given $2 to your local food pantry anyway, and forget the water. You know, we used to take a drink before we left the house. We just like it. You didn't carry water. You would just like, oh, I'm going to be thirsty or it's hot out. I'm going to get a drink. I'll get one when I get back. So we would do that, right? I'm sorry. I'm offending some people. Claire and I, and trying, trying to offend myself, I guess, Claire and I, uh, we like to go for walks. How many of you are walkers? You like to go out for walks. We like to go out. So like uh, one of the places, well, it doesn't really matter where we go to walk. With the river walk, you can go to, you know, different places, some great places to walk around here. And I, Claire doesn't know this, that I think this, but I'm going to get myself in trouble again with Claire. I thought she was going to be up here with me this morning. So since she's further away, I'm going to tell this story. <laughs> But like it's always been, it's always been curious to me. Like we'll go for a walk, so we drive our car to wherever we're going to go for a walk, or in the neighborhood. But when we go somewhere, usually Claire and I we're like maybe a mile. Like if we're really zealous, maybe we'll go two miles, right? So you know, I don't know. At a long walk for us, forty-five minutes. I don't know how far you go in forty-five minutes. Doesn't seem too far to me. Still seeing the same tree in the background in 45 minutes. Anyway, um, it's always curious to me. Claire will, she'll say, take my water bottle. And I feel like when she does that, like, carry my water bottle while we walk for 45 minutes. And I always want to say, you know, just take a swig now and take a swig when we get back. You'll be okay. And you can trust me, if you dehydrate in the next 45 minutes, I'll throw you over my shoulder and I'll rush you back to the car where there's hydration. And I will make sure that you are okay. Like, why do we carry water everywhere? It's crazy. We're thirsty people. <laughs> we are so thirsty. Uh, the other day, Claire and I, we were at a friend's house out of state, 
in a in an area where they have <laughs> city water. That's something I didn't know there was such a thing as city water and country water. So I moved to Marshall because I lived in city water. You don't think about it, but anyway, um, our friend offered a bottle of water. You want you guys want water? I'm like, no, nah, we 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 just drink out of the tap. If that's okay, and I'm not saying we never drink bottled water, so don't hear what I'm not saying, but sometimes it's just funny, isn't it? Um, anyway, no, we like to drink out of the tap, and she's like, you, you can't. This water has chlorine in it. And I jokingly said, well, chlorine, well, at least the in, my insides will be clean, too. <laughs> then she accused me of being Donald Trump. She said, you're just like Donald Trump. I'm like, I didn't want to be offended. I just wanted to drink out of the tap. You don't have to call me some politician or, you know, we don't have to make this political. I just wanted some water and chlorine is good. I don't have any problem with it. I haven't seen anybody die from drinking a little bit of chlorine in their water. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Man, I, I think about being in high school. Our coaches would put us out on the field if it was like baseball season, be 95 degrees out, a high school you know, you're a young, young guy and you're out there, you're wanting to like work your tan while you're in practice for three or four hours. Our coach, he wouldn't let you take your shirt off. Like the first thing you want to do as a teenage young man is take your shirt off in the sun, right? You got no water, no shirts off, burn up. And we were, we lived through it. I don't know how we lived through it. The wrestlers, when I was in high school, they would intentionally go without water and they would put plastic bags, they'd take like hefty bags, and they like duct tape them to their body to lose weight. Now we know that that's not really smart and they don't do that anymore, fortunately, but they would not, they would go without water. But anyway, it's crazy how we are, we're just thirsty people, aren't we? We thirst. When did we become so thirsty? Everyone, the scripture tells us everyone, according to Jesus, is always thirsty. We've always been thirsty. The problem that we have is we try to quench our thirst with the wrong things. Jesus, remember in verse 13 and 14 here, Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water, you'll be thirsty again. You'll be back by more Evian, or however you pronounce it. And by the way, this is the French Alps. This is not the Italian side. This is better. <laughs> Apparently. Unless you're Italian, then you would probably not agree with that. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. What are you thirsty for? Where is your thirst directed? Now, obviously, we know you need water, you need Provision. We're grateful for all of those things. We can laugh about some of those things, but we're just deeply grateful. But Jesus is talking about something deeper here. Down in your soul, what are you thirsty for? And what in the world do you think can fulfill that thirst? Jesus said, it's him. When uh, my siblings and I, when we left our home, all of us at different, growing up, different times, although all of us were out of the house by 18. Um, Sean came back for a short, Sean and Kathleen came back for a short stay, and the shorter the better, they would probably say, um, during their college years and some transition, but we were all gone at 18. I used to tell my parents, like, you guys should do seminars for parents, <laughs> like how to get your kids out, and we're all, you know, we're all uh, at least I think fairly capable adults. Everybody got out and we're all in one piece. Um, we get fragmented, but we're in one piece. Anyway, um, when we left, our mom gave us a box. 
And in the box were things, like it was basically our life in a box. And the longer I live, the more profound that box, community, it just speaks to me. And it speaks to me around scriptures like this. Because that box represented a few things that I think are important, things that we thirst for. And remember, in the Feast of the Tabernacle, it's this temporary booth. And that box that I received from my mom, what happens is all of us, whether you got a box from your parents or wherever you grew up, your guardians, we all kind of got this box when we left home. And what happens is we go through life and we just, we put things in the box. We accumulate different things. And that's not bad. That's not bad at all. But essentially what Jesus is saying is your life is not about what's in the box. So when I left home, I had a box, and, and the first thing that I know that it communicates is uh, that if I'm not careful, and if you're not careful, we can attempt to quench our thirst by the things that we do. See, in that box represented things that I did, like my mom uh, with, with my siblings and I, there were things like trophies in there, awards. There were certificates, report cards. Those were the things in the box, accomplishments. And you know, the things in that box, I felt good about those things for the most part. And there's nothing wrong with feeling good about those things in your box. But what Jesus is saying is that's not what fulfills your thirst. Nothing wrong with being successful. Nothing wrong with accomplishing things. As a matter of fact... We should all be out trying to get some things done. But then this shift happens, and we can begin to feel like a little success feels pretty good, and then that begins to be what drives our life. The trophies, the degrees, the the money, the certificates. And that's good until you can't fill that void. And quite frankly, you never can. We also try to quench the thirst that we have with the things that people say to us, the words that they use, the encouragements and the admonishments. So in my box, there were things, and in my siblings' boxes, there were things like articles that were written about us, things that people had said, yearbook, if you had a yearbook, right? You don't know almost any of those people anymore, but they probably said some good things about you. Even if they were lying, they were kind of cool to go through. It's like, oh, they they think I'm cool. And that works as long as people are saying good things about you. Not too long ago, um, I don't even remember, it was one of, like one of our family texts or something. Uh, I came, I, I was looking in the box that my mom gave me, and I found an article about when I was 15 years old, and it says, the headline is, Lorridge uh, throws a perfect game. Uh, it was a seven-inning game, 20 strikeouts, and then the one other out. So perfect game is uh, no walks, no hits, okay? 21 batters, 20 strikeouts. The other guy hits a grounder to the pitcher's mound. And I just kind of jokingly sent that out, and Ian sends back this text, and it's like, that's impressive no matter how old you are and no matter, you know, what the situation is or something. Really, really, you know, more good words. And those words feel good in our life, don't they? But those words ultimately will not quench our thirst, and this is why. And this is not a commercial. We should encourage one another. We should celebrate one another with words. But there's other words, aren't there? Like the first time I preached. And at the end of the service, we were still living in Detroit. At the end of the service, I had made some mistakes. And at the end of the service, we had a new family that was in the, in the church, and they left. And not to ever come back. It was their first Sunday, and they communicated with our pastor. We would do like this debrief because we were kind of, Claire and I were apprenticing to be pastors. We would do this debrief. And if you spoke, you were, you know, 
the, the leaders that were in this room, they would just give you some suggestions what was brought up. This couple left. I remember crying. And they said, you were disrespectful. They thought that I was intentionally screwing up. I don't need, I, it, trust me, I'm very, I'm very practiced at it, but it is never intentional. It happens every time I get up here. It's probably happened six times already, at least. But I cried. See, because if you're waiting to have your thirst quenched by what people say about you, sooner or later, they're gonna, somebody's going to say some bad things, and you'll be parched. Not everyone's a fan. <laughs> and in that box also um, represented the possessions we had, which wasn't, you know, we were 17, 18 years old as we're heading off into the sunset. Not many possessions. But we're thirsty around the things that we have. So long as the box keeps getting bigger and it's up and to the right and everything is staying intact, we feel like our thirst can be quenched. We're accumulating more wealth, perhaps. Our investments go well. We've got a good home, maybe a good marriage, maybe a good family. We've got a good career, good ministry. Our future's looking good. Possessions are all taken care of. That's good. We're accumulating more of those things. You can go on and on and on and on. But what happens when your relational world isn't good? What happens when something seems to be taken from you, which is all of our story. It happens to everyone, even those that appear to be fully quenched in their thirst. What happens? You get thirsty. It's interesting when uh, Claire and I, our moms, our dads had gone several years ago, our moms during COVID, both of them died. My mom from cancer and, um, and Claire's mom from COVID, actually. And uh, it was interesting because when we went to uh, get their th stuff, you know, after we did, took care of everything, essentially we went to family and had these moments together. And we collected our mom's box. And our moms and our dads, amazing people. Their boxes were filled with wonderful things. But they were fulfilled because they understood what to be thirsty about. Your life is a dwelling place for God. A tabernacle for the presence of God. You dwell in this temporary dwelling. You fill it with different things. But what really matters is that you are a dwelling place for God. Ultimately, what's after we pay attention to God being the one that, and the only one that can fill our thirst, God just invites us to share that to share the living water that we have received as we have listened to multiple times over this morning. We receive this quenching by God and God just asks us to share what we've been given. Many of the Samaritans, the scripture says, from the town believed in him because this woman's testimony she had come to a place where she realized she had received living water. He told me everything that I ever did. And so when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two more days because of his words, and many more became believers. I'll close with this. In one of the most powerful moments 
of witnessing this kind of thing in my life was my older brother. One of the things in his box was uh, he gave his life to Christ heading into his senior year in school, high school. He was like captain of football team, captain of the baseball team, and he won what was considered like the award you would pursue in high school if you were an athlete. It was a student athlete of the year award. And my brother received the award with gratitude. They gave it to one of the guys and one of the girls in the senior class. And in front of the whole assembly, hundreds of people in that room. He gave, he gave thanks for the award and essentially he said, I am so grateful for this. And this cannot quench your thirst. Imagine this, a senior in high school in front of all of your peers and all of their parents. And he said, I gave my life to Jesus, and I have been quenched ever since. Thank you for this trophy. And I encourage you to consider having your thirst quenched too. So right now, Lord, in this room or online, some of us, this is a new concept. All of us know we've tried to have our thirst quenched by different things. They're not bad things, generally. But it's not what will quench what is so deep inside of us and what we can share with our neighbors. So Lord, even now, pray for my friends. If you're here today or you're online and you would say, God, I want to acknowledge that my thirst has not been directed toward you. And I want to accept your love for my life and acknowledge that I'm thirsty for you. You can say that right where you are, whether you're at home in the living room, in a car, in this room. Just tell Jesus you're thirsty for him. There'll be things that'll happen down the road. God will invite you to new things, but right now let's just take care of that business. Lord, I'm thirsty. And I acknowledge that. And I ask that you would quench my thirst. So Lord, in Jesus' name, do what only you can do in us. And let the quenching of your spirit visit our tabernacle now. In Jesus' name.